0: I mean, it's really totally unfair, I got to tell you, because I know what's about to happen and you don't. And so I'm super excited for you because I know what you're going to experience in the next 35 minutes and then into the baptisms after that. Because as much as it is an incredible thing to stand here and declare that Jesus Christ has come, lived, died, and rose from the dead so that he could rescue our souls and redeem our futures and restore our purpose, it is something else to watch it actually happening before your very eyes, to watch the transformation take place in a human being's life as they collide with the gospel. And what we're going to do for the rest of this gathering is experience the collision of transformation transformation that takes place. When, this, when the, a person's life collides with the gospel. And we're going to hear some stories. Uh, we have close to 20 people being baptized throughout the weekend. And uh, we can't tell all of their stories in the detail that we would want to. But we're going to tell you a couple of stories. And in these few stories, I hope you will catch a glimpse of what must be happening in all of the others you did not hear about. Because I'm telling you, I've spent my entire week coming into this building and sitting uh, in an office watching the foot off of these videos and watching these stories being recorded, and I have probably cried more this week than I've cried in a long time, because I am overwhelmed, overwhelmed as you are about to be by the incredible beauty and power of the transformation that takes place, bringing someone into freedom when they discover what it means to surrender their self and their life to Christ. You watch as this unfolds in multiple lives. So, with no further ado… Let us begin with our first story. Take a listen to this.
1: So back in 2011, Jesus ran after me like the prodigal's father after a long period of rebellion in my life. And I surrendered my life to Christ. About six months later, I made the decision to get baptized, and I got baptized here at Mosaic. Renault baptized me. It was at that time that I realized the importance of my role as a father to teach my family about Jesus and who He was and disciple them. So I tried that. And looking back on that now, I realized that it's less about teaching your family and it's more about just living the gospel out in front of your family. And saturating everything that you do with the gospel, the gospel of grace, in the good times and the bad times, and even in my own failures and my shortcomings as a father, and just to pray for your family, to pray for your kids, that the Holy Spirit will do the work that is ultimately His to do anyways. And so here we are, he has done it for my baby girl, Jada. So for Jada's first 10 years of life, she was not around church or anything church related. So when I surrendered my life to Christ, we began talking about what this whole new life means.
2: So when my dad got baptized, I was 9 years old and I it gave me like a new boost of confidence and the gospel and learning about Jesus because before that I knew really nothing about Jesus or God. And after he got baptized, it made me really curious and devotions just gave like I would pray every night and I had like I would read the Bible, so I would learn more about that. So learning about all that, I started going to student ministries when I was 11 years old. And in big church, I didn't ever understand everything that Renault said. Like I understood some things, but I didn't understand everything. And when I got to student ministries, I... Kenny broke it down into a way that I would be able to understand. And I would have other questions and I would be curious still more. And I would be able to have 45 minutes or 30 minutes to talk to my small group leaders. And being able to talk to Lindsay and Chandler, it was easier to just understand everything. So I ended, well I was still curious but I decided to make this decision to get baptized and bring Jesus into my heart and as my Lord and Savior. When I heard that there was baptisms on announcements, I was super excited and that day after church, I told my dad I wanted to get baptized and I'm super excited to be baptized today.
1: Just so proud of her in her walk with the Lord for the last uh, several months. Just watching her grow in grace and love. And what's been particularly um, awesome to see is her love for the Word of God. She loves our family devotion times. Even when I sometimes forget to do it, she'll remind me. So um, it's just been really really cool to watch Jada's faith grow and to see the Holy Spirit work in her life. So I'm really excited. I'm very proud of her.
2: My name is Jada and this is my gospel story.
0: So to, uh, two big things become clear in that. One, not everybody understands everything I say, which is very odd to me. But besides that, something far more important emerges, right? That uh, we watch the gospel as it spills out of a father into his children, bring freedom into a home. Just as Jada was walking into that tumultuous uh, middle school, high school world that uh, could have and would have created much emotional damage and other things outside of Christ, spending her first nine years outside the church completely knowing nothing about Jesus and that that would have continued had it not been for the gospel colliding with her dad who then surrendered his life to Christ because he realized to no longer live his way but Jesus' way and then stepped into that and now Eric, who's a winter garden police officer also leads worship at our our, uh, Winter Garden campus and his daughter stepping into baptism. And you see this, you feel it, don't you? That when the gospel is at work, freedom is emerging. And anything outside of that is not freedom. It begins to erode. Sometimes, however, the story isn't as pretty as this one, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't start young like it does for Jada. And you don't see this beautiful uh, little girl turn into a young woman with Jesus in her heart and living for him. You see a broken story. And we wonder sometimes if the story gets so broken early on, what happens then? And what we find is this, when the gospel collides with a very broken story because there wasn't a centrality of Christ at a young age, the gospel does the same freeing work every time. Does the same thing. You're about to hear a story that is going to blow your mind as we watch another young lady, but not having that childhood, having a very darker, more different one, but watching the gospel collide with her, and you will see the freedom emerge even in her wrestle on this video. Take a look at Nina's story. <laughs>
3: I moved from Norway at 11 to the United States. Unfortunately, at 13, I was abused by another child. That kind of reflected the decisions I was going to make for the next 11 years of my life, and a pattern that I was going to take. Statistically, the world would say that I would take a very dark and sad road and uh, probably be into prostitution, drugs. Uh, Not a lot of people I think that are broken always get out of that. hard thing to recover from. About eight months ago, um, I looked to my friend who had been speaking to me into my life for a couple years, and um, I told her I wanted to change, and I remembered that I would tried to change before, and just Something wouldn't stick. You just go back into old patterns, old habits. identity no longer was in this broken child, broken person, and my identity was in in Christ. And um, I just, I felt like I could look at people differently, like it wasn't just a person standing next to me, it was um, a heart, you know, it it was God's people. Freedom that you feel. <laughs> you just want everybody to experience it because there's really nothing quite like it. <sighs> every every mistake, every dark point, uh, every hurt, I just it's like it all almost made sense. And you come in this complete surrender and complete peace. And I just I feel loved and Finally, feel like I mean something. It's funny because one of the first prayers that I prayed was that people would really see this difference in me, and <laughs> um, it was just—I think almost every single person in my life had seen me from complete brokenness to complete happiness. Um, I just saw this light in my eyes that were different. There wasn't any darkness anymore. There was, um, <laughs> There was just a glow in my eyes that was different. <laughs> I really feel like I can relate to Love 146 and my group and the people that are in it, just because, um... I may never have been trafficked but um, I can relate to the brokenness of being um, a broken child and not feeling like you belong and um, that freedom of um, having a future and um, getting married and (laughs) all those things, those were things that I didn't think that I would ever have and um, the things that I'm more hopeful for now that um, Like Christ has done just some really beautiful things in my life. And there's a lot more hope than I've ever had before. I'm excited to be baptized today because I hope to live my life to this verse. And it's in First Peter um, chapter 3 verse 8. And it says, to sum it up, all of you Be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. And I hope to, um, as my days continue with Christ, just to live that out in the world. My name's Nina, and this is my gospel story.
0: I keep telling myself there will come a gathering where I will not cry, but it has not happened yet. Uh, It's just been amazing to watch Nina's story. She has graciously watched my eight children already um, on occasion. So if she can handle that, she can handle anything. Um, But uh, just an an incredible thing to watch the transformation that is uh, taking place in her life after the gospel collided with her in a dark place. And we see that a lot, right? Somebody living without the gospel, without Christ, and then uh, they collide with Christ and, and everything changes, but you know what I love about the gospel story of people's lives is that the gospel isn't something we encounter once in our past and then never again. Uh, the gospel of Jesus, the good news that He came, that He that He rescued us, that He is rescuing us, that He will rescue us, is an ongoing experience. And you're about to hear a story of somebody that uh, knew Jesus and had strong relationship with Jesus, but then, like for many of us, uh, encountered a circumstance that was bigger than you can deal with. uh, everything crashed and burned, and then watching the gospel uh, become alive and real and beautiful to her and the transformation that takes place in there. Just another continued uh, declaration that Jesus has risen. Jesus is at work. Jesus is rescuing. He has rescued and he will rescue. Take a listen to this incredible story.
4: So growing up, I had a great understanding of who Jesus was. I was raised in the Catholic faith, baptized by my parents, and had really given my life to Jesus in middle school at a school retreat, and um, attended a Catholic school through eighth grade and was really involved in young life. Um, I attended a Baptist church with my best friend. Her father was the preacher, and so I had this, this wide view of who Jesus was and his story, and life was great. So it was on my senior trip that I got the phone call that my first nephew had been born, and as a family we were ecstatic that he had finally arrived, but we knew pretty soon that things were not okay, and he had a lot of health problems, so I dropped everything that I had and moved to live with my brother and sister-in-law to help them through the process. At just a few weeks old, we found out that my nephew would have to have a multi-organ transplant, so we had to move quickly to a hospital that would accommodate him. So we all moved to Miami, and he had the transplant. The surgery went well. But with every infection that he had and every hospital visit after that, we were always waiting because they would tell us every infection that he fought, he would never bounce back fully. So life went on as normal as it could. I moved back to Louisiana to attend college. So right before graduating college, I got the opportunity to apply for a Disney professional internship and at the last minute got one and so I moved to Florida and was that much happier because I'd be closer to my brother and my nephew and every day off and weekend that I could I would drive the four hours to Miami and spend time with them even though it was in the hospital it was a second home and I got to be with them and spend time and at the same time work at the happiest place on earth so life was great. March of 2011 my desk phone rang and I saw that it was my brother and took my breath away I knew that it wasn't good for him to be calling me and so during that phone call is when he had said that this guy was he was declining and I needed to get to Miami quickly so I drove as fast as I could and got there and had been there for a few days, but he just wasn't bouncing back. And so as a family, we sat down with the doctors and decided as a family that it would be best for him if we just pulled the plug. And at that point, everything that I knew and I loved, including my faith, had crumbled. I felt... Alone, I felt betrayed. (laughs) We had a funeral and it fell on my birthday, which really stunk and, but everything happened so fast. There was family, there was planning, there was, everything had to happen. And then before I knew it, it was over. Everybody was headed home, and so I headed back to work. And I worked and worked and worked, and I was lost and felt alone and had all these questions. But I drowned them with work, and when, you know, I would I would have these questions of why would God give me five years with Him, and why not just take Him from the beginning? And I just had nowhere to go. I. I had a lot of co-workers, but I didn't know who to talk to. and So I really jumped back into work and not really dealing with the death of my nephew. And um, I had plenty of friends here who were sympathetic, but none of who could answer my questions, my real questions about what God was doing in this period of my life. And Because I had spent so much time traveling to Miami and back, I hadn't found a church. I wasn't connected anywhere. So I didn't have a biblical community to point me back to Christ in this time of complete brokenness. Um, so work was everything, and, and I drowned, I drowned out my emotions by working and not talking about it, which worked in the moment. So in October of 2011, I was really at the point of my journey, really asking God to show me, give me something or somebody to To kind of walk through this and while getting some mail I happened to run into Amanda who was at the admin counter and within a few minutes I had shared my whole nephew's story to her and just felt this huge weight lifted off my shoulder but at the same time feeling so broken and she asked me very plainly if I was going to church and in my mind I kind of chuckled and said no um, I don't know where I am with God because of this and that's when she invited me to Mosaic and the journey that I have been on for the past three years of learning who Jesus was and and the story of me being in Florida and being closer to my family for when my nephew passed away. But all of that had a meaning and I was meant to, to come and learn community and what Jesus meant by that. I had never had a real intimate community who cared about me and really wanted to see me walk this tough path of, of faith, um, and that was brand new that was brand new to me even though I had had this great understanding of Jesus and his love for us in the moment when my nephew passed away everything that I had ever known crumbled and in one simple smile Amanda brought that all back she brought me to church and now I have this great community of friends who know me and walk by me no matter what and so here I am three years later ready to be baptized it's taken me a while because of my Catholic upbringing and wanting to honor my parents and the decision that they had made when I was an infant to be baptized but this time it's my decision and I am really excited to follow the command that Jesus has to just follow Christ and be a follower of his and proclaim it My name is Felicia, and this is my gospel story.
0: It's an incredible thing as you listen to Felicia's story unfold and see the the beauty of uh, community and journeying together. Because you heard Felicia say this, right? I'm part of a community now that helps me on this tough faith journey. Because that's what this is. You see, uh, we've been sold this idea that stepping into a life with Jesus and the gospel is just an extra thing you stick in your pocket to make your already American life better, right? But that is not what Jesus declares at all. Jesus declares that when we collide with him, he calls us into a life where we lay ourselves down for the beauty of his kingdom, for his glory, for the gospel, and that that is a life of devotion to Christ and a life of mission on planet earth, a life that is going to cost us a great deal. Yes, there will be more beauty in our lives than we could ever imagine, more freedom because our souls are rescued and our futures redeemed, and as our purpose is restored and we live out our God, created purpose of making the gospel known, in that space we will find ourselves more than ever, but we will also encounter a consistent call to lay down that which is most important to us for that which is most important for God, and it is in losing ourselves to ourselves and finding ourselves in Christ that we will find our greatest freedom. We need each other for that. We need community for that because that is a life on mission, and sometimes, sometimes what God will call us to lay down are the deepest, dearest, most most incredible human things. You're about to hear a story of a young woman that I love dearly, who has chosen to uh, step into her journey with Jesus in an incredibly powerful and unique way, and I can't wait for you to hear Ale's story in Biblical Community. Take a listen.
5: I led a blessed life. I grew up Irish Catholic, Polish Catholic in a very Irish town. It was a great life. I had a big family, lots of church activities that were mandatory and helped me to develop a love for Jesus as much as I hated being forced to go to church. I went to a Polish Catholic elementary school and then I went to an Irish Catholic high school and an Irish Catholic college. Both were small and I was well known at both of them and I was well known in the community. I grew up with a strong sense of who I was and in my church life and what I wanted. I gained more of a spiritual life and I developed um, a moral compass. My community of friends um, outside of church also loved the Lord and that's who sustained me and got me through some really hard times as a teenager um, because we all love Jesus and uh, life was almost perfect. When I was 18, I lost my mom and things started to change. I outgrew my community and I lost my sense of a moral compass. I started to lose my identity as a person of faith. Much of my life I felt different and I just didn't know why. The first inkling that I might be really different not only because I was a believer in Jesus but because I had a strong attraction to girls happened when I was about 18. I dated guys all the way until I was in my 20s when I had the opportunity to expand my horizons and experiment a bit without the moral compass from my childhood and my teen years. I met my first girlfriend and we became roommates, but I still wasn't comfortable with exposing who I was to people. We got away with it because our immediate friends didn't care. We hid behind the fact that we were roommates and in your 20s, that is perfectly acceptable. Um, Most of the time I was confused. I was scared I'd lose my job and I was really ashamed of my secret life. My life still felt good, but very few people knew I was gay, and I still couldn't tell my family. My faith life felt like it was good too, except for this little annoying feeling that my desire to be with girls was not what I should be feeling. I now know it was God and the Holy Spirit calling me into a bigger adventure with Him, but since we didn't teach about life in the Spirit where I came from, um, I believed it was more society telling me I was wrong. In the midst of my crazy first few years as a young teacher, our relationship ended and I felt a big change coming on. Jesus once again became the center of my life and even though I wasn't in a church community, I found strength in prayer and in spending time with him in nature and on retreats. I had never studied the gospel and I didn't know I should or even could. Church was just repetitive and boring and though I felt the Holy Spirit tugging on me, I didn't know for what. I just knew I needed a change. My dad had died a few years ago after my mom and my grandmother right after that, and there was not much of a future where I was, so I picked up and left. I moved to Florida in 2002 on a whim. I vowed I could be anyone I wanted to be, and no one would ever know about my lesbian life. I was done with that world. That set up a very lonely first couple of years here as I learned to live on my own in a strange place. Then Joellen walked into my life. She swept me off my feet, and it felt like she rescued me in a million ways. I fell so much in love instantly. It felt like we were perfect for each other in every way. I needed rescuing, and she was willing to jump in and rescue me. She became everything to me that I felt that I was lacking. During our relationship, our life was so perfect, or so I thought. She seemed so liberated and free, and she was teaching me to be the same way. We started making friends who knew about us and that were either gay or they just didn't care. And the best part is she was a Christian and in love with the Lord like me. She introduced me to Joyce Meyer Ministries, and together we explored what being a couple in love with Jesus could really be like. We lived the prosperity gospel. We traveled, we had money, good jobs, great friends, lots of adventure and a slow acceptance as a gay couple in the community. During this time, I learned that there was so much more to the gospel and to praise and worship, and as we grew, the Spirit spoke to both of us, trying to teach us to understand that this life we had wasn't what God wanted for us, and our relationship became very tense. The truth is we were idols to each other, and it turned dark and ugly and ended very badly. The aftermath was devastating to me. I was forced to share with my family and friends that I was gay because no one understood why I couldn't function every day. I was just too tired to care what people thought anymore. My life got really dark as I tried to figure out who I was and how I was going to live without her. I was literally lost. My prayer became God let me die now and make this pain stop because I can't do this life without her. I was depressed and lonely, and I didn't care if I lived anymore. But God reached into my darkness and told me that I had everything I wanted, and now he was gonna give me everything I needed. My friend Christina invited me to Mosaic, and I again felt a change coming on. I started listening and learning and studying and praying, and I suddenly didn't want to miss a teaching, um, and I wanted to be more involved. So last June, I asked for a meeting with Renault. I shared with him that I was gay and I told him if he wanted me to leave Mosaic, I would. He looked right at me and told me Mosaic was my home as long as I wanted it to be and that he would walk with me through this journey. And then it happened. He invited me into a story that would be bigger than any story I would try to write for myself. A story where I trusted God's story for me more than the one I would want for myself. Though I had no idea what all of that would mean, I knew it was God using Renault to invite me into his story for my life. And my new prayer became Romans 12, one through two and Philippians three, 12 to 14. And I pray it every day. I prayed that God would change my heart and transform my life. And after much wrestling and many meetings with Renault and some of the other pastors here at Mosaic, I began to discover God's love for me more than ever before. God really never really lets you go, no matter how hard you try to get away. He gave me my identity back. I'm his child, created in his image and likeness. I am a member of the LBGTQ community. I love Jesus, and I have a deep relationship with him. I am a child of the king. I am forgiven, and I am worth something, despite my sexuality. Just like all of us, I'm invited to lay down my desires and trust God's bigger story for me. Though a little fearful, I have embraced this invitation and I've laid down my desire to live in an intimate relationship with another person, to choose instead to live as a servant of the Most High King. My life is His, not mine, and I choose to give to Him even my childhood dreams of being married, sharing my life with one single soulmate. This is for His glory and obedience to Him. I don't see this as losing myself and my dreams for an intimate relationship with another, but rather gaining a more intimate and exciting relationship than I could ever imagine with God and with a biblical community who will carry me through the harder days and love me as I follow Jesus. Once when I was little, someone told me that I was a light to the world, that I shine Jesus, and that was the greatest compliment I ever received. I always tried to live up to that, but being gay in such a judgmental world makes you feel like that is impossible. But I know it is possible. I know the truth. God loves me. God called me back and reminds me he loves me and I wanna be baptized so my community knows he is the center of my life and I believe in his teachings and I give him my life no matter the cost. And for me, that cost is high. I'm laying down the dream of being with someone for the rest of my life. What I choose is to live in trust and obedience to God and to live for His glory and not my own desires. I want to live as a light to the world. My name is L.A. and that's my gospel story.
0: Man, it's an amazing story to watch LA's life unfold. She's been texting me all week like, I love Jesus so much, I can't wait. She gets to be baptized at the uh, 502 gathering, so we're all super excited as well. And, uh, and, and you know, it just, it's been incredible to watch. I remember sitting at Oxum Coffee when she first met with me the first time, and, and she said those words. She wasn't kidding. Hey, hey I, I'm, I'm gay, but if you want me to leave Mosaic, I will. And I just remember thinking to myself what a tragedy it is that the church has become a place where someone would have to ask that question someone have to say hey because of who i am if if you need me to leave i'll be okay with that and i just remember thinking to myself i never want to be that place never This is where we wrestle with the Spirit of God, where we wrestle with the love of Christ, and some of us will have to wrestle a lifetime with the things that haunt us, and some of us will have those things transformed quickly and easily, but we should be with one another in that journey. L.A.'s story is extraordinary and beautiful and and rough and difficult in her her traveling with the Spirit, a story of a young girl who loved Jesus so much, her whole life really for the most part, has always loved Jesus and had such an intimate relationship with Him, and and yet the Spirit of God so gently, so patiently, so lovingly, coaxing her, inviting her, challenging her into a bigger story than she could imagine for herself. And then her choosing that story, To say that even though this may cost me the biggest human dreams I have, uh, dreams of an intimate relationship with another for a lifetime, I will lay that down if it's going to be for your glory and to make the gospel more beautiful. You see, she is utterly convinced that God's will for her life and God's declared word is, is more important than what she wants and what she needs and what she desires, she believes God's story for her is a bigger story of freedom than the one that she has and that's a that's a big step to take we live in a cultural context that tells us every day you and me that our hearts our desires our preferences our our entitlements our our, our attractions our our hurts and our pains those are what define us those are what create our identity and so uh, the greatest freedom then by definition that we would experience is if we live in that identity and we take on those desires. If, if we live in our hurts and our pains and let them rule us, or we live in our preferences and attractions and let them rule us, or we live in our desires and our wants and our needs for security and let them rule us, then, then we will be free. But Jesus tells a very different story. His words were this, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it but if you try to keep the life you think you want, it's, it's going to be lost to you. The freedom you think you're chasing after, you will not find in what the culture tells you, regardless of what's on the table as an issue. The only thing that will bring you to true freedom is when you surrender your life to me. That is the call on every one of our lives. It is no different for LA or any one of us You watched it unfold in all those stories. You watched Eric, right, a dad who was bent on his own life, doing his own thing. His kid was nine. Everything was fine. He had a decent marriage, and and he had the right to be a man like our culture tells us we can be a man, right, and do our thing, and God collides with him, and he chooses to surrender his entitlements and rights according to our culture for God's story for him, and look what has emerged his beautiful daughter sitting ready to be baptized and freedom in their home. We watched Nina told that she would be defined by that hurt and that pain, defined by who she now was because she was abused and she would live her life out of that pain and whatever she did was justified because she was hurting. Then the gospel came along and said, no, Nina, your identity is not in your hurt and your pain. Your identity is in Christ and I will make you beautiful. And we have LA sitting there and she stands there and this culture tells her, your identity is in your preferences, your attractions in your sexuality. And she says, no, no, it's not. That is part of who I am, but that's not where my identity rides. My identity is my response to the gospel, my response to Christ and my obedience to his word. And I will step into that and that will define me. And what is inside of me and what I think and what I prefer and, and where I land and what I'm attracted to, that's not gonna define me. That's part of the story that God is gonna unfold in me but I'm gonna live in obedience to Christ and lay my life down. She makes a tough choice, one that she will need biblical community for uh, the entire stretch. And what a powerful reminder that is to all of us to examine our lives and say, God, what am I holding on to? What am I living in? What am I choosing where you are inviting me gently, lovingly to step into obedience, to lay down my rights and my entitlements and my preferences and my needs and my stuff instead to say, what do you want from me, God? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to step? Do you want me to stay in something I want out of? Do you want me to get into something I don't want to get into? Do you want me to let go of something I want to keep? Or do you want me to take something on that I don't want to take on? See, our stories are no different. They're just different circumstances with different personalities and different realities and different preferences, but all called to the same end. Trust Christ, trust his story, trust his will, trust his word, trust his beautiful and wondrous plan that he has for you and step fearlessly into what he calls you into. And trust that if you lose your life there, if you lose what's most dear to you there, you will find greater freedom than ever. Did you love what L.A. said when she said, I don't see this as laying down something that's dear to me. I see this as gaining something I couldn't imagine, a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus than I ever imagined, and she will. She will, just as I pray we all will as we lay down that which is most dear to us for that which is most dear to him. This is redemption. This is the gospel. This is why we do what we do every day. This is why we celebrate baptisms, because it represents all of that. So we're going to respond in worship now. We're going to worship the God who's done all of that, the God who is doing all of that. And if you know Jesus, then respond by remembering what he's done for you and by saying to him, if there's stuff like L.A. that I just need to lay down, that I'm scared to lay down, help me do it. And then... As we worship, we'll prepare for baptisms and then watch a few of those we've experienced get baptized today and we'll celebrate with them as they step into a journey with Jesus that they commit to deeply, amen? Let's stand together and let me pray for you and then we'll step into worship. God, as we prepare our hearts now to celebrate with those who are being baptized, to celebrate with those who are publicly declaring to their biblical community, I choose Jesus and I choose to follow him over my own story God, we want to celebrate with them, but we also want to celebrate you because you are the one, Spirit of God. You are the one, Christ. Father, you are the one that has done all of this. You are the one that transforms. You are the one that shapes. You are the one that invites. And may we be a place of freedom here where people can come wherever they are in their journey and experience love and and experience journey and experience the gospel through us. And then when you're good and ready, God, to bring them into the spaces where they are most free, that you would do that. Give us the the wisdom, the the discernment, and the courage to journey with one another through whatever ups and downs, through whatever life and brokenness we need to, to land in the same place together, convinced that your story for us is better than our story for ourselves, and convinced that losing ourselves for your sake is always the greatest freedom, despite what this culture would tell us.